0: <laughs> All right, are we ready to go in there, Reggie? Good. I see you've got the uh, the needles popping right where they need to be, as you usually do. Thank you so much for that, and uh, let's just get started here. I will give you the uh, three S's. I'll give you the countdown. You give me the. I'll give you the music. No, you, no, you'll give me the music. Isn't that the way it works? Yeah. <laughs> Only been doing this for what five years uh, <laughs> and uh, and then i'll give you a podcast how's that good deal all right put it in the books number 263 263 all right are you ready i'm ready well without further ado star smile strong three two one hey it's elton jim toronto and this is captain podtastic And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com, or we are found wherever you go to find your favorite podcasts. Hopefully you'll look for us there. We're just sitting there waiting for you to download, waiting for you to listen. But listening, of course, is not the only thing. That you are expected to provide to the Elton Jim Captain Fun Captain Podtastic podcast. No, no, you are supposed to go out and tell your friends. So send them a link, send them a message. Friends, family, anybody who listens to podcasts, tell them that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain podcast and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and your devotion is much appreciated, and of course, that little extra effort that you go to every week to. Spread that word? Oh. You will reap such benefits from that. Somewhere. I don't know where, and I don't know when, and I don't know by whom. Not me. Uh, (laughs) No, thank you so much if you do that, uh, spreading the word. I really do appreciate that. If you like what you hear, don't forget, you go to WGNRadio.com, you go to the podcast section, you hit the prompt for this podcast, and you will find all previous 262 asterisk. (laughs) Uh, episodes for you to binge on and listen and just find out what the heck this podcast has been all about for the last five years and then you're ready to get set for the current episode which is this one number 263 this week i couldn't help but be uh, moved and shocked, and angered, and bewildered might be the best word, when I was looking at some of the news coverage on television concerning the Tulsa, Oklahoma massacre of 1921. I don't know if you've seen or heard about this, which is part of what I want to talk about today. Not so much about the incident itself, because I believe that has gotten a lot of publicity over the last several weeks, and hopefully it will continue to be a prominent uh, subject that gets the exposure, but I don't know if I can add all that much more than that has been said about that incident. I will comment on the impact of that incident, though, and the I think the far reaching influence that it has and maybe something that we need, we as a as a society, especially here in America, may need to think about what we've done in the past and what we need to do in the future. Uh, the the cliffs notes section or or or, or version of this incident which is as I said before bewildering is the only word that I could think of is how for the most part and and I don't believe that I'm in the uh, minority here I believe that I am with the with the, the great majority of people in this country had never Truly heard or understood what this incident was, but apparently, uh, in 1921, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there was an um, just a, a, a massacre. That's the only word he could use of of hatred and racism against the African American community in the black section of Tulsa, which at the time, was known as the Black Wall Street because it was a thriving and prosperous and, I would think, model to build on in terms of the African-American community in this country thriving, not being a place. Of, of crime or poverty, uh, but of, of high society, of, of employment, of confidence, of, of achievement, like every, soci- like every segment of this American experiment should have. It was the American dream personified. And it was the American dream personified for the African, African-American community in this country at that time, which had been through a pretty horrific history in this country since the 1620s, perhaps, from when we first got here and when slavery first began. And when it was ended, and even after it was ended, uh, as we know now from our history books, and that's what I really want to talk about, our history books, um, uh, you know, it, it, we have never, America, sadly, was founded, you know, in, in inequality. Our, direct, our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution flow, with optimistic and hopeful and um, flowery rhetoric about achieving perhaps some kind of ultimate goal of all men being created equal. But it was a great irony and it was a great conflict that in the midst of talking about basing a country on Equality. We were really a, a country at that point, maybe not even a country yet, of inequality, and sadly, it has been a part of our history. Uh, from literally the first day that we be decided to become a country and 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 break away from England, um, so this this incident in in Oklahoma. In, in Tulsa, was just uh, horrific. Uh, apparently, uh, there had been you know in this country uh, you know race relations are always bubbling, and it it, it, and, it, and, it and it's really a tinderbox, and it doesn't take much for uh, our if 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 race relations are at some kind of a uh, of a low boil, for the most part. Um, it doesn't take much for for that to get cranked to extra extra heat. Uh, it 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 it, it, it a li- at, at, at the smallest of incidents, or and especially some that are blatant. Uh, we are always, it seems, in this country, right on the borderline of 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 order and chaos when it comes to our race relations, which is a sad sad. Truth, but it must be faced, and we 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 have to admit that, and, and we should. As I've said many times here on the podcast, the only way you solve a problem is by first identifying a problem. As uncomfortable as it may be, and and, and as as hurtful as that may be, and it may hurt people's feelings, it may it may uh, point fingers at people in terms of blame that we we oftentimes don't want to do. But sometimes there have to be consequences. Sometimes people on both sides of an argument need to take responsibility for their mistakes or what they have done wrong because we will never solve our major problems unless we are honest enough to recognize them and identify them and really get to their root causes. You cannot, talk to any doctor, I've said this many times, talk to any doctor. You cannot, you cannot heal or treat a tumor, for example, unless you first identify it, recognize it, accept it, analyze it, find out where it is, what, what it's doing, how it's working, and then you can devise a therapy or a treatment to battle it and hopefully beat it. But that's how you do it. And it's the same way with any problem. Identify it. Recognize it. Analyze it. Break it apart. Look, look at what is causing the problem and then devise a solution to eliminate that cause root. It's not that hard, but it has been hard for us in this country since our founding and even before our founding. So what basically happened in Tulsa in 1921 is we've got this thriving, prosperous African-American community. Dubbed the white the the black Wall Street because of its prosperousness, because of its thriving um, entrepreneurial spirit, because of the high standard of living that the African Americans in this area were experiencing because of their hard work and because of their success, and apparently this was not sitting well with many of the poor whites in Tulsa. And so while this area was able to survive, there was clearly an underbelly of of hatred and jealousy and anger just bubbling under the surface, as I said before, just waiting to explode. Our race relations in this country, we can say whatever we want. Yes, we've elected a black president and all that other stuff. It's always percolating. Even if we don't know it, it's there. And as I said before, we we live in a tinderbox. It doesn't take much. We've seen how events like a Rodney King uh, beating several years ago, the O.J. Simpson uh, verdict, or obviously last year the George Floyd uh, murder. Uh, you know, it doesn't take much. Now, those are horrific things. But we have seen other things where where a, a a simple misunderstanding leads to a riot and chaos and to in f- both sides fighting. Um, and so it's it, it's sadly always there, and we need to start to just say that and admit it, as opposed to pretending that it isn't. But apparently, in 1921. A, a a a relatively seemingly innocuous event led to a, 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 a perhaps not only one of the the the, the, the as i said I, I used the word horrific and i want to keep using it but not only horrific but it has to be one of the most embarrassing and and uh and just outright hateful Events in our country's history. Apparently, from what we've been able to piece together, um, a, a young black man, 19 years old, was getting into an elevator in a hotel somewhere or in some building. The elevator attendant, and that in those days they used to have people that ran the elevator, was a 17-year-old white woman. According to the story. The young black man was walking into the elevator and may have tripped as he walked in and f- may have uh, pushed against or fallen into this young teenage girl who screamed because, you know, it, it, you know in the South and the Midwest, that wasn't uncommon for you know i mean it was it was against the law for for the races to mingle literally and there was a fear uh certainly instilled in the white community against you know black men and white women i mean this goes back to dw griffith's the birth of a nation film uh, you know uh, that 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 actually portrayed this as you know black men being predators against white women. So this was instilled in the culture, especially in certain areas of this country. So this young, this young woman uh, was, you know, felt that perhaps this man was attacking her, didn't see him trip, um, didn't think he tripped. Anyway, she screamed. Uh, the young black man, uh, knowing the situation here, whether he was innocent or not, realized it didn't look good one way or the other, and took off and ran back to where he lived in this area of Tulsa. And um, word got out of what happened. The newspapers even at this time didn't hide their own bias and racism. We talk today about a divisive society and how we're so divisive. But if you look back at our history, we have really rarely been the United States of America. Once again, I love this country. I'm not trying to talk down against it. I'm just being, as I always am, realistic. The United States of America is a goal, is something to strive for. But we rarely have ever achieved it. Don't forget, we had a civil war. Less than a hundred years after we were founded. So <laughs> we almost fell apart less than a hundred years after we supposedly were this the this. This great experiment this great democracy experiment we 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 were at the at the precipice of of crumbling and, and and falling into two countries so the united states of america is yes it is once again it's it's the rhetoric it's our goal but we have rarely achieved it over a long period of time in our history we like to think we did we like to think we do but the facts don't really prove that out do they So the young black man in fear runs back to where he lives. The newspapers, the main newspaper in that town basically had a headline that was showing no objectivity at all. It said something like, nab Negro for attacking young girl or something. So that right there is... incendiary between the race relations. There's the tinderbox. There's the spark. But apparently, from the reports that I've seen, um, this story in the newspaper basically was hinting at sending codes out um, proposing that Justice needed to be done here, whether the legal system was going to do it or not. And once again, if we know what our history talks about, again, with white and blacks, especially in the South, we know what that kind of justice meant. That meant lynching. That meant the people taking the law into their own hands. And the newspaper was was basically supporting and calling for that. So much so that a group of African American veterans realized what was going to happen here. The young man was eventually caught and brought to the police station, and the fear was that this young man was going to be killed and lynched while he was going to be taken out of the prison and and killed and lynched. Many of the people that were in charge were were not of the highest. Degree of ethics. We've seen that in in, in you know in history and in, in films where where you know uh, uh, racial beatings and racial murders have taken place. If you ever saw the film Mississippi Burning? And the police station and the government itself was implicit in these crimes, and that's what it was there. So so this group of African American um, soldiers. Got together, I believe, from World War One, which had just ended, right? They got together and they were fortifying the outside of the prison so that if some lynch mobs were going to come and attack the prison and overtake it, and perhaps even wouldn't even need to take it over. Maybe the people were running the prison. Maybe the you know the the the, the police at that time were, were going to be happy to hand them over. Who knew what the realities were there? But they were outside fortifying that prison to save this young man from from being taken out of prison and and being shown social, uh, you know, the, the, the mob rule of their form of justice of possibly lynching this man. Well, the mob did show up ready to to take this situation and justice in their own hands. And naturally, tensions were high, a shot was fired, and all hell broke loose. And in the span of 16 hours, not even a day, in the span of 16 hours, this, I believe, 35 to 40 block neighborhood was completely decimated. Buildings burned, destroyed. Estimates of over 300 African-American people killed indiscriminately. Just, it was total havoc. It was, it was, it was Thunderdome. There was, the police actually recruited, uh, you know, White men with guns to, to 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 take care of the problem. I mean, they they didn't help the problem, but it was it was just a free for all against African Americans. And this wasn't just about this incident. This, as I said before, was the spark. The real root cause was hatred and racism and jealousy of the whites in Tulsa. Jealous of the success and the thriving of this neighborhood with hotels and more than 200 businesses owned by African-Americans making a living, you know, theaters, hotels, a thriving business community, a thriving social community. Many of the residents in that area were prosperous and flourishing much more than perhaps many of the poor whites who at that time the viewpoint was I'm white and you're black and why do you have that and I don't? You don't deserve that. You're black. That's tough talk. I understand that. But sadly, that's it's part of our history. And that was the thought process. It still may be the thought process in some areas. In pockets of this country. I don't know. I hope not. But with no sense of of right or wrong, with pure hatred and jealousy and anger, I don't know what other evil, right? I don't know what else you could, whatever uh, words you can use, they decimated this neighborhood they literally went they they shot people on sight they went into people's homes they stole everything they had they burned the homes down they burned the drapes so that the houses would burn I, I i i i i heard one account that not only was this on foot that they were that they, they were looting and robbing and destroying this african-american neighborhood that they clearly hated and they clearly saw as a threat to their own insecurities, their own jealousy. And it wasn't even about stealing and getting. It was, just, it was, it was more or less just putting this down, get, get, getting it out of their lives. Their lives, apparently, they were unhappy with their lives, and they didn't want to see someone doing better than them, but especially African Americans doing better than them because of their racism. So it was a free-for-all. It was open season on anything or anyone black in that neighborhood. People, establishments, businesses, everything. To the extent that they even, and this is is crazy, while these buildings were burning, in order to accelerate and make sure that they burned down, Apparently, planes even were flying rudimentary. I mean, this is 1921, right? I mean, these are rudimentary planes, but planes were flying above this neighborhood and dropping turpentine on the burning buildings in order to accelerate and ignite. Whatever fires were start but were, were, were starting and burning to to make them more intense to assure that they totally burned down and destroyed these buildings. If you see pictures of this i 'm certain certain you can go online and uh I saw a special on cBS uh last week about this um, and i 'm sure that could be found somewhere on 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 cBS his website. It was called Tulsa, Tulsa, 1921. the The neighborhood looks like a war zone. It looks worse than a war zone. It looks similar to the way many bombed out cities in Europe looked during World War II. It is decimated. There is smoke there is ashes and there are just there was, there are just ruins just crumbled it, it it is devastated it looks like like a bomb was dropped and literally it sounds like to some extent some bombs were dropped certainly figuratively some bombs were dropped so just a, a, an incredibly evil and terrible moment spurred on by pure hatred and pure racism in this country so embarrassing was this 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 mayhem that was racially based that ultimately the newspapers and whatever media there was it was mainly newspapers right we i don't think we even really had you know i mean radio wasn't even you know that uh prevalent at the time, but certainly newspapers and any other types of media it was it was almost agreed to by especially people in Tulsa even the newspapers that may have incited this even they couldn't believe the extent to which this had escalated and it, and somehow it was whitewashed it was not reported on fully it did, and, and if it became, and it, if it was reported on, it was there wasn't any outrage. It may have been downplayed. It was, it was, it was, um, it was uh, framed as race riots as opposed to what it really was was pure hatred and destruction. By it wasn't a race riot. The blacks hardly had a chance to fight back against the this 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 power that came unexpectedly. I mean, the average person in that neighborhood had no idea what was coming for them. They may have, in the back of their minds, always thought it was coming. But this was, this was purely a massacre. But somehow, it was downplayed and, and censored, and, and it just kind of came and went. This complete destruction which affected families for generations as they said in this article or in this uh, TV program what this really did was 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 kill any chance for any kind of generational financial prosperity for african americans we see the the big the big, uh, you know, some of the the famous families, right, in this country, with this generational money, like the Gettys and the and the Fords and the uh, you know, uh, the Rockefellers and the Kennedys, and, and well, a lot of that money was made right around this time in the in the in the first part of of of, of you know of the twentieth century in the nineteen hundreds, is when the industrial revolution came, and that's when entrepreneurialship. Uh, you know, thro- you know, began to thrive, and that's when, when so many of these uh, industrialists made their billions, and were able to continue to make that money and build on that and leave for their generations, of which they are today. Hundred hundreds, you know, almost a century of money made a hundred years ago is still. Keeping these, these many of these in, you know, families of these industrialists from the early part of the 20th century uh, in, in incredible luxury. We don't see that in the African American community. Here was a chance for that to happen, and it was destroyed. But, and that is, once I said, it, it's a huge scar against this country, and, and, and it's a scar that's never healed. But, but, my point is and so i I think i've given you enough there if you want to find out more about this i would urge you to do that for your own knowledge and understanding and acknowledgement as i said at the beginning we need to acknowledge the realities of our society we're beginning to do that that's why we are in such turmoil turmoil today and it seems like it's everything is so unsettled and unrestful it it's not this is not it's not a uh, it's not a fun practice but we can see things are getting worse before they're getting better and we have to begin to address these problems or they're only going to get worse and we can't continue to pretend that they don't exist because we are getting to a pressure point here where things are are you can't not keep these things down anymore. We have been denying these things for hundreds of years for 50 or 60 years and now we are seeing the results of that, of not being serious about solving these problems, about throwing money at them. We have spent billions and we have nothing to show for it because We've thrown the money at the wrong things and in the wrong way. We have never been honest enough to throw money at the roots of the problem. We better start to do that. But that's another discussion, and that's a discussion that can go on forever, and it's been going on forever, sadly. So, But here's my question. How the heck can a an incident so devastating loss of life loss of property loss of 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 businesses and careers and wealth and and inner, and, and, and confidence and self esteem So not only was this done in a 16-hour period, but there were really no consequences after it was done. And it was swept under the, the carpet as if it never happened. So this is an amazingly awful situation that occurred. But my question is, why are we just hearing about it in such detail now this happened 100 years ago in 1921 it happened the facts are there we there there are pictures there there were people that survived it we have photos we have documents i saw them in this picture in the, in this um, in this special for some reason, this incident, so terrible, was able to be downplayed and, and, and almost erased from our history and our common knowledge. And I don't understand how that happens, and it's scary that it did. Because what, what brings the question to me is, what else has happened? That we don't know about what else has happened that has been so terrible that there's some kind of a conspiracy to have eliminated it from our common knowledge from our history, which in a bigger question than is what is our history? If this was something that we didn't learn about, that collectively as a country we did not know about until a 100 years later, then what else has happened over the last 250-some years of this country's history that we don't know about? This can't be the first time that something like this has been covered up. I don't understand how... This has been allowed to go on this long without it being reported on and explained and exposed. Now, I suppose that one argument would be, well, Jim, that is a result of a media... That for the most part in this country has been controlled by white people, and they have not wanted they and and, and so we are we have gotten our history, we have been given our perspective on what is important. Uh, we all know about Pearl Harbor, right? We know about that. We know about the, you know, December 7th is day that lives in infamy. Why isn't this a day that lives in infamy? Because it really, this is infamy. If you look at the definition of infamous, this uh, situation in Tulsa is infamous. Infamous means gaining attention for something bad. This was infamy. long before World War II in 1941 when when we were attacked at Pearl Harbor. Or 1941, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Long before then, 20 years. But how could this have been? So as I said, the answer might be, well, Jim, you, you have to understand, this is why there has been such a move and a call for equality in the media so that other perspectives, other voices, people of different colors, what's important to them and their perspective can gain the exposure that perhaps has been missing from our reporting for decades, if not from the beginning of our existence in this country. I buy that. I accept that. I understand that. But I always like to look at both sides, once again, being objective, being realistic. I buy that. I understand that. That's a legitimate argument to say that, this, that we have had, sadly, a very one-sided, not necessarily racist, but a one-sided controlled media that looks at the world through its own perspective and has downplayed or ignored incidents or viewpoints, good or bad, in communities of color. That seems to me a very logical and legitimate argument. So I get that. But then I'm going to also play devil's advocate, which I like to do, which I think we need to have in this society. We need to have more devil's advocates. And I certainly enjoy playing that role because I like to look at both sides. You can't, you cannot take one side of an argument. You got to, uh, you have to look at both sides to understand the problem because no one side is ever right. And no one side is ever wrong. It's usually, as we always have found in anything in life, the truth some always winds up somewhere in the middle. And so, in this case, I will buy the argument if perhaps someone of color says to me, "Well, Jim, that is the reason why we need more equality, more people of color in uh, in the media, in the in, in the in the upper reaches, the people who are deciding." what is reported, and how it's reported, and who reports it, and what is getting reported. The decision makers, not just the reporters on the street, but the people that are making the decisions of what the lead story is going to be on the front page of the paper, what the lead story is going to be uh, uh, when the the 10 o'clock news starts. I get that. And I think moves are being made in that area, especially in the last year. Since the George Floyd incident brought light to this, we are seeing more African Americans and females because this has been, you know, the media has been mostly a male driven entity, especially at the highest levels of management. But I think we are seeing both people of color as well as as women being promoted or being brought into. The C-suite, if you will, the management end of things, not just on the ground doing the grunt work, but in the important seats of power. Now, whether that is cosmetic, whether that is temporary, we'll have to see. But at least for the time being, it seems to be happening. And when you see something like this Tulsa incident, you say, it's hard to say that that's wrong because clearly a white perspective, an embarrassment, whites being embarrassed and and just aghast at what happened led to this Tulsa incident basically being brushed under the carpet for the last hundred years. But I will look at the other side of this now. I will give you that the media has been dominated by, by white men for a majority of its existence, especially at the seats of power. I will give you that, okay? And moves are being made in that area. As I said before, we'll see what happens. But I also have to wonder, especially, let's say, in the last 60 or 70 years, since the real beginning of the civil rights movement, in the late fifties and early sixties, why, when these, when the 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 uh, the subject of racism and segregation and its impact and its influence and its detrimental influence and impact was being communicated? To try to change things with the protests in the 60s and the 70s. And we've seen a continual race, you know, relations, protests going on, certainly since the, as I said, the late 60s and early, or late 50s, early 60s. So that is at least 60 years with people, obviously, like Martin Luther King. And Re- Jesse Jackson and L. Sharpton and and all of these black leaders and and Malcolm X. All these 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 black leaders and there's many more. I'm just giving you a little collection of the the, the most famous when they gave speeches when they were doing protests when they were talking why wasn't this incident in Tulsa from 1921 used as a major rallying point to say look at what has happened here folks you know slavery is always is obviously it is it's the it's the giant the night it's not even an 800 pound gorilla it's a it's a it's a 2 ton gorilla in the room whenever we talk about race in this country, but I believe that one reason why it doesn't resonate as much, which is odd to even say, it's because many people believe, you know, that was 400 years ago, I'm just, I'm just telling you what, 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 the, what the consensus is for in many people's minds, that that was so long ago. And I had nothing to do with it. That's kind of the, the you know, and that was that, and it's and it's gone now. And that was another time in other people's mindsets, and and so you can't judge, you know, today by then, and and that's kind of the mindset. It seems so far away that people just want to say, you know, it it doesn't relate. But my gosh, I would think that here was an incident that happened. In our lifetime, over the last 50 years, in most people's lifetimes during these last 50 or 60 years, 1921. So yes, you could certainly always point to, to slavery to talk about the terrible injustices and the racism that exists in this country. But then to have used this as a more recent, if, if that's the argument for people that are, are not for, for equality... To say, oh my gosh, stop talking about slavery. It happened so many centuries ago, before we were even here, blah, blah, blah. It was a different time to blah, blah. Okay, fine, I'll give you that. But then you have to mention it. But if that's not resonating, then you follow that up and say, and then in 1921, look what happened. And now you cannot say, well, that was a long time ago, and blah, blah, blah. No, no. In nineteen sixties, when when the civil rights movement began in earnest, this incident was only forty years ago. Many people were still alive when it happened. In this special that I saw on CBS, they had incredibly survivors of this Tulsa nineteen twenty one episode. Now don't forget that was a hundred years ago. There were two or three people that were 107 years old who were still alive, A, which is a miracle, B, they still were lucid, they were able to communicate, and they still had memories of that day, but they were 107. In reality, there should have been nobody that was still around when this really happened to give any kind of insight. And the only people that were that we're, were propping up now to say, look how terrible this was and listen to these firsthand accounts are now 107. Why weren't you talking about this 50 years ago? Why weren't you talking when more people who survived it were still alive if they were only seven or eight? Why weren't you talking about this in the 1960s as a, as a major rallying point for the civil rights movement when these people that today were witnesses would have been 57 and would have been in the peak of their, of, of, of their uh, uh, effectiveness. They could have spoken with real detail and real force. And there would have been more of them, not just two or three. Fifty years ago, there would have been more survivors who were there, who were seven or eight or nine or ten, and could have given even much more detailed accounts of what this was like and how terrible this incident was. Why wasn't this story used by the Civil Rights Movement, by people like, Martin Luther King and Jesse Jackson and, and, and Al Sharpton and all these people over the last 50 years, why wasn't this story that happened in Tulsa brought up, and if, it, if and you say, well, it was brought up, but no one cared about it? Once again, the media didn't, then, then never stop talking about it. Why wasn't a movie ever made of this? We've had movies about slavery. We had roots made on television. We've had films made about slavery. We know about Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad. Why do we know about that in history? Well, because that was a good thing. Right? It was, it was, it was, it was a black woman doing something to fight against it. Fine. This was a horrible victimized situation that needed to be known, understood, and more importantly, it should have been something to say, let it never happen again. Why wasn't this Tulsa 1921 episode used by the black civil rights leaders as a rallying cry, as proof of how deep-seated the hatred and, and, and the racism has been? That's what they were trying to talk about. So yes, I fault our media for being maybe white male dominated and covering up embarrassing things. I'll give you that. But I don't think then that the black community or the black leaders who were leading this charge for the last 60 or 70 years, why did you let this story stay buried until now? Why are we hearing about this now after a hundred years? We should have known about this story. If if it was, if it was successfully swept under the rug in 1921, then in 1961, it should have been successfully taken oh under out from under the rug and exposed for all of its hatred and its terribleness. But this is another. So so, I'm 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 aghast at what happened. and then this cover-up, but I'm also disappointed that I'm only hearing about this story a 100 years later. Why wasn't this story, in all of its terrible realities, explained and shown? Why wasn't there a movie made about it? Now maybe there will be. And if there was, I uh, maybe I don't even know. If there was something, where has it been? Why don't we know about this? Why out of a, out of a, a, a hundred years later? I, I I can give you the argument that that uh, in the twenties and thirties and forties and fifties, yes, there may have been a a major blackout on on minority news and history. I'll give you that. But over the last sixty years. The media certainly has been open to and reporting on race relations in this country. And so I still have to say to the African American leaders of the last 60 years, why didn't you talk about this story every day? We know about Selma. We know about the, 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 the different uh, moments in the, in the civil rights movement. John Lewis, we just heard about when he just passed away. The bridge, we know all, why didn't we know about this? Why has it taken 100 years? If, the, if, you, if you're going to talk about it from a white, white and black issue, okay, okay African Americans, you know the whites are not going to talk about it. So it's up to you to have talked about this. I, I'm just baffled by that. Which leads me to another thing. As I said earlier, how much of our history in this country, and not, just, and not just racial history, but any kind of history. I'm sure if you talk to Native Americans, they would say, well, wait a minute, you want to hear some horror stories, let me tell you those. I'd like to hear those. Yes, please tell me those. We know vague things about the African American experience and what was done. We know the names of Geronimo and Sitting Bull and all this, but we don't really know what happened. At least I don't. I took took honors history in high school. I don't remember being taught any of this stuff, which is my bigger question. What have we been learning in schools in our our history classes? Have Have we been learning a condensed and censored version? And if we have, and I may be a product of that over the last 40, 50 years, right? Then shame on us for doing that. And we better start to get started to get working on that. Because I remember being in high school and, be, and I, I love history. I'm a huge history buff. As I said, I I took history in, in, uh, I loved history in high school. I took many history courses in college. I still watch documentaries. About all parts of it, not just the United States, the world, everything. I love history. I didn't hear about this, this Tulsa incident. I don't know the real detailed explanations and incidences of what happened between the uh, the whites and the Native Americans in this country, we know about Custer's last stand, but we don't. But what really happened? We know about the Battle of Big Ho- Little Bighorn, but what really happened? We know things in concepts. I right now, when I see an incident like this, that was either covered up or buried or whatever you want to call it not as a part of what I learned in my history classes in high school then I believe that I had a I was deprived and had a bad education in history and I went to I went to private high school and private colleges but I have to say that my history my the teachings that were given to me were inadequate they had to have been what what else can you say and I think now Okay, I went to high school almost 40 years ago. So there's 40 more years of history. What else is not been, in these last 40 years, what has not been being told? I remember being in history class in high school. And if you remember, you know, we usually start with American history, right? Because that's our beginning if you take U.S. history, right? So we start with the revolution, or what led up to it, right? But as the year goes by, from September till you get to May, there's a lot of history there, folks. And I know, and I'm not and I'm not uh, and I'm not I'm not saying that history teachers have it easy, but there's a lot of history there. It can't be condensed into six or eight months with spring breaks and Christmas breaks thrown in. I think we better start teaching history in a real way, not just platitudes, not just headlines, but real history with real events, real details, and real analysis, and an objective framing of what happened, and its implications today, because that's what history is all about. We're supposed to learn from history. What's the cliche? Don't let history repeat itself. How could we learn from that? How can we learn from history if we don't know our history? For something like this that was completely whitewashed, how could we learn? I don't have any children, so I don't know when, they've, when kids today are learning, really beginning to learn about history. But I think... We have way too much history in this in this country for it to be condensed into one year. So if we're waiting for high school, that's too late. If we're waiting for sixth grade, that might be too late. I think history needs to be an on, this shouldn't be an elective. When you go to college, it shouldn't be an elective. We need to constantly be learning about our history. It should never stop. This Tulsa 1921 episode really struck home to me because in addition to its individual and specific implication and how horrible it was, it made me think in the bigger sense how we have failed in this country to truly look at our history. And I have to think there are many more stories out there that we don't know about. But if we're ever going to become those United States of America, if we're ever going to solve those problems that continue to plague us, if you go back and watch the reruns of Meet the Press from the 1950s, They are still talking about the same issues. We all can say, what well, we've done such great stuff. We are still battling with the same issues from 60 or 70 years ago, at the very least. Poverty, crime, infrastructure, education, equality, women's lib, uh, you know minorities. This it's the same discussion. We haven't moved an inch. Environment. We say, oh yeah, well you know the water is better now. Is it really? I'm hearing about. There's a lot of lead still popping around here in water and in pipes. That's infrastructure. Have we really done a good job? Yes, yes. The the Cuyahoga River in, in you know in Ohio isn't burning. So yeah, we we've we've made some water cleaner. But have we really? We haven't. We haven't we haven't made our environment better we've improved it a, a, a tad our race relations yes we 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 elected a black president what does that mean if you live here in chicago all you have to do is watch the news every night the situation in, 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 in racially in this country has not improved because eight years ago we had a black president or we, now we have a black vice president. That's optics. That's window dressing. We better get serious, and I think we better learn our history. So if you have a kid in, in high school or in grammar school right now Pay attention, find out what is being taught. Is history being taught? And what kind of history is being taught? What's the extent of it? What is, what is the details of it? What incidences we need to really, I think, overhaul our entire history educational program? Because if a story like this In Tulsa, 1921, is news to us we have failed as a country. We have failed every student since 1921 in history of this country. And I can only imagine what we have not talked about what happened before then. But I don't know. I remember we would start history class with the American Revolution, and when we would get to, like, uh, you know, March or April we would we would spend a lot of time you know from september through march or april on the as we moved through american history the revolution the civil war the 20s the 30s the world war 2 but then all of a sudden it was march and we were going to get done in a month and a half and suddenly we were skipping over things Oh there was that thing called the uh, Korean War after uh uh you know 19 after World War II and then there was this thing called communism going on and that was going on okay uh, skip that chapter go to the next chapter oh there was this thing called the Vietnam War okay uh, we got a couple of pages on that skip that because now it's uh, you know oh, it's March 15th we 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 have finals um and then there was this thing called Watergate yeah okay and there was a few of these little um, race riot things and uh okay here we are Ronald Reagan just became president okay we're all done. We got through it. No, no, that's not the way to do it. This needs to be a comprehensive, long-term history. Every American needs to know the good and the bad and the ugly of this country. We need to accept our, our victories as well as our defeats and our losses to fully understand who we are, and to fully make sure that we don't repeat them. So, I just wonder what's going on in history classes right now, because since I graduated high school, there's been 40 more years of history. How are they getting that in? They couldn't even get it in when it ended in, 19, in the mid-80s. They couldn't get from the from a Revolutionary War to the present in a school year. They shouldn't be expected to. That's not fair. But now we got 40 more years. What, what else is being sideswiped or, or, or ch- skipped that chapter in the last 40 years? We need to take a serious look, folks, at our history Because our history is going to help us in our future. It's going to help us identify our problems, our weaknesses, our failures, and give us insight in how to hopefully solve them. We've been fighting the same problems for 60 or 70 years, if not for 400 years or 250 years or whatever you want to look at it from whatever perspective. We've made some progress, but it's been mostly optical. It's been mostly window dressing. The roots of the problem have never been addressed and they have never been solved. And part of that is because I think after seeing this story about this Tulsa 1921 episode, we don't even know this full extent of what's really going on. You don't need... To be a history buff, to understand and know your history. We have so much access today to different platforms for information. If indeed important historical data and incidents have not been reported, then let's start reporting them. Let's start using this internet for more than TikTok videos, and texts, and pictures of our vacation, and pictures of our food. Let's use this incredible internet tool that we have for information for something really important, because we're wasting our time, folks. We cannot move forward unless we know our history so that we don't repeat our history and that's my history lesson for today and so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic every Monday a new episode is posted at wgnradio.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast we are there and don't forget to tell your friends tell your family send them a link send them a message tell them that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic and it should be theirs too your loyalty, devotion, and little extra effort is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 263. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen.